Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name's Melvin, and working from home is kind of lonely. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a non-spoiler Christian movie podcast where we sit at the table of cinema and eat. Tonight we'll be dining on Andy Muschietti's It Chapter 2. If you haven't checked out my episode on Andy Muschietti's 2017 rendition of It, I would check that out beforehand. I released it just before this episode, and while it isn't necessary, I do think it will help in understanding some of what I have to say about Chapter 2. That said, It Chapter 2 is the highly anticipated sequel to 2017's breakout star, It, directed by Andy Muschietti as well. And if you're not familiar with Stephen King's grand novel, It, this story is about a group of characters with their long story being told as children and adults. It switches back and forth between each perspective as the adults begin remembering things about their childhood fight against the dreaded kid-eating clown Pennywise. The first film elects to tell their story as children first and foremost, and never skips ahead to them as adults. That's where Chapter 2 comes in. And to make sure everyone's on the same page, here's what IT Chapter 2 is about. 27 years later, and Bill, Richie, Stan, Eddie, Ben, and Beverly are all living the American dream. Self-made industry moguls across the board, every single one of them is living the high life. But everything comes crashing down after everyone receives a phone call from their friend Mike. It's back, he warns them. You made a promise to come back if it did. I'll be waiting. Pennywise has returned. Kids are going missing, and Derry, Maine is no longer safe. But they've beaten it before, so they can beat it again. Rushing home, each member of the Losers Club is face-to-face with their past, afraid of the present, and can't even begin thinking about their future. It Chapter 2 is rated R for disturbing violent content and bloody images throughout, pervasive language, and some crude sexual material. The disturbing violent content is brought to the forefront at the very start of It Chapter 2, and while later scenes include disturbing content, for the most part, it seems to lose its effect about an hour into the movie. In other words, you'll either be calloused, desensitized, or realize the execution of the disturbing violent content isn't very good, so you're left bored, less so much frightened. Alongside the violent content are bloody images, so those go hand in hand. The pervasive language is accurate, along with some crude humor. The crude sexual material probably has to do with brief nudity from behind. There's also a topless CGI creature that's more annoying to look at than anything. It's there for a moment and then gone. Also important to mention that there are some homosexual themes within the film, so just something to be aware about. Before we dig into IT Chapter 2, I also wanted to share real quick that if you've come to enjoy Cinematic Doctrine and would like to support the show, be sure to leave a review on your respective podcast app at the end of the episode. You can also follow the Facebook page for updates on movie news, upcoming episodes, and my own shenanigans. Also, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join other patrons and vote on a movie I review once a month, as well as take joy in feeding my coffee addiction. Any amount is appreciated with multiple tiers to choose from, all of which go toward making Cinematic Doctrine the best podcast it can be. Also, again, if you haven't heard my review on 2017's It, I recommend checking that out. It's not necessary to understand this one, but it helps put some things in perspective. That said, let's get into it. So remember how I said the 2017 film was good? Not great, just good? Well, 
It Chapter 2 is terrible. Not horrendous, but terrible. It's just... well, it's just really bad. If I had to list everything I didn't like about this film in a quick, succinct manner, here's what I'd say. It Chapter 2 is boring, slow, poorly edited, not scary, not funny, unsatisfying, and all-around pointless. That's pretty scathing. But at least it's not an offensive movie, so that's good. Well, it's not offensive to me, at least. I think... let's just start it this way. Let's start it similar to my IT 2017 review. So, let's talk casting. IT Chapter 2 features a ridiculously large cast, and a lot of that is due to jumping back and forth between our characters as kids and our characters as adults. The premise of the film is set around our gang of characters as adults, but a lot of the story has them spending time remembering moments in their past. Because of this, we have a lot of flashbacks. I suspected that the story would go in this direction. In fact, having just read the entirety of Stephen King's heavy novel, a page count just above 1,000, the story is always jumping back and forth between our characters as kids and adults. In fact, in a way, the entire story is about each character remembering things as children. I suspected that IT Chapter 2 would imitate the book's format in this sense, but wondered how it could be done successfully. Because the 2017 movie is only focused on our characters as children, it meant a sequel would have to be careful in how it evokes certain qualities of the first film without outright retconning certain situations or, even worse, padding out the runtime with scenes that could have been in the previous film. This sounds like it has nothing to do with casting, but here's why it matters. Because this film jumps back and forth, casting had to get adult actors who look a lot like their child counterparts. I recognize that that's a good way to approach this sort of thing. You don't want to alienate your audience by casting someone who looks nothing like the previous star. You want Bill as an adult to look and feel like Bill as a child. You want Beverly as an adult to look and feel like Beverly as a child. However, while some of the casting may look the part, I don't know if I was convinced by their performances that they were who they really were. This seems most apparent in James Ranson's performance as Eddie Kasbrack. In the 2017 movie, Jack Dylan Grazer performed Eddie Kasbrack, and I mentioned how I felt his performance was probably the best in the whole film. Well, in IT Chapter 2, James Ranson seems more focused on imitating Jack Dylan Grazer's performance rather than simply being Eddie Kasbrack. In fact, let's think back to my 2017 review where I talk about the differences between Tim Curry's Pennywise from the 1990 miniseries and Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise in the 2017 film. I talk about how Skarsgård really comes into his own because he's not imitating Tim Curry's performance. He decides to approach Pennywise as bubbling with anticipation, unlike Tim Curry who plays Pennywise in a reserved, patient manner. James Ranson, although still playing Eddie in the same continuity, is playing Eddie 27 years later. That's a long time to acquire new traits and characteristics. And I get that he's like anyone else, he would acquire new traits while still leaning on old habits. But that doesn't change the fact that it's been 27 years. Unfortunately, James Ranson doesn't do this. He doesn't do anything new. He seems to lean heavily on imitating Jack Dylan Grazer's interpretation of Eddie Kasbrack rather than taking on his own. And it's a real shame. Now, Jay Ryan, who plays Ben Hanscom, is just unconvincing in his performance. I was never under the belief that he was Ben Hanscom. He was neither trying to imitate Jeremy Ray Taylor's performance from the 2017 film, 
nor did I feel he was performing at all. In fact, the majority of the film, he has this same face expression. He looks like a deer in the headlights, and I'm starting to wonder if he simply wasn't given good direction on set. Now, that last thing I said has implications toward Andy Muschietti's directing prowess, but right now we're talking about casting, so let me just finish with that. In recasting young teenage actors to reprise their roles as Bill, Stanley, Eddie, Ben, Mike, Richie, and Beverly, two years after their previous film, there's a significant difference in their, how do I say this, development than two years might look like for an adult. In other words, these kids are in puberty. Example A is Finn Wolford, who plays a character named Mike in Stranger Things. If you look at him from season one and then season three, he looks and sounds significantly different. Because of this, and I kid you not, they had to de-age the teenage actors to sound like they did and look like they did in 2017. And that's just about the scariest thing this film has to offer. I'm talking extreme uncanny valley effects on their faces. And even their voices sound off. I know I keep mentioning him, but Jack Dylan Grazer's voice sounds really off-putting. They probably had to run his voice through a modulator like 12 times with how much it's changed in the last two years. So, look, the casting is weird and the de-aging didn't work for me. That's already pretty jarring and makes it difficult to watch the film. And I'll make this last thing brief. Unlike the 2017 film where you could really feel that all the characters got along, they liked each other, and had a genuine real relationship, I don't think I felt that at all with this film. I've already mentioned my issues with some of the performances, but that bleeds into how these characters interact with one another. This is most apparent during a dinner scene in which the cast is reunited in Derry right before getting down to business. It's your typical ensemble interaction where people make jokes, laugh, and have a good time. Yet it feels weird, awkward, and stunted. The editing is jumbled, everything feels forced, and I just wasn't convinced that these people knew each other, let alone cared about one another. That makes it hard to get through some of the boring segments of the story. Not only are most of our characters on their own during the second act of the film, when they're together, I'm not having a good time. This is very unlike the 2017 movie, where even during the worst moments, there's still a driving force to keep interested, and that was the cast and characters. Okay, no more cast talk. I'm gonna move on. Let's talk about pacing. For two hours and 49 minutes, there is a lot of dead space in this film. Scene after scene after scene have little to no impact on the story as a whole, and you're left wondering why it was there in the first place. I can't help but call a lot of these moments filler, and nobody wants filler in a movie that's longer than a drive from one state to another. There's a scene where a young girl is at a baseball game and interacts with Pennywise. This scene has no impact on the plot whatsoever. There's an entire subplot with Henry Bowers. This subplot has no impact on the plot whatsoever. There are plenty of flashbacks throughout the second act of the film. Some of them have virtually no impact on the plot whatsoever. Some of the filler is actually pretty grand changes from the source material, and I want to be clear that changing things from your source material isn't always a bad thing. If one were to make changes, they would need to make sure those changes still feed the same thesis as the source material. By thesis, I mean purpose, and by purpose, I mean what is the whole story about? What's the point? Unlike the previous film, where the changes actually enforced the source material's thesis, the changes in IT Chapter 2 largely detract from the overall experience and muddle the thesis of the story as a whole. This may not matter to some, but let me explain why it's such a big deal to adapt the thesis first and foremost. A story is like an equation. It's like math. 
An equation will reach a specific solution, and that solution is the thesis. But the solution is not exclusive to that one equation. In fact, some solutions can be reached by multiple equations. For the most basic example, let's look at the number 4. I can add 2 plus 2 and get the number 4. Or I can add 1 plus 3 and get the number 4. Or we can go in reverse. I could subtract 6 from 10 and I'll get the number 4. Do you see what I'm getting at? The solution is the same even if I change the parts around it. This is why the changes in the 2017 film work. Although there are some changes to Stephen King's original story, the general purpose, themes, and tone of the story remain the same. It's a harsh, coming-of-age story. So I'm not advocating that an adaption follows the book page by page. That's impossible. A book and a movie are different mediums and demand different approaches. What I am saying is that, like an equation, some things need to stay the same or else the math doesn't add up. And this is perhaps It Chapter 2's biggest flaw. The story doesn't add up. Not only do the changes made break the equation, it becomes something completely different even if it looks the same. By changing certain aspects, taking out necessary pieces of the story, you're left with a narrative that's stitched together by staples, glue, and scotch tape. Sure, all the pieces look like they're there, but something is missing, something fundamental. And not only are those pieces missing, you're left with an entirely different story. Something fundamental about it is the relationships between the characters. But if they're not convincing, then we're left with the staples holding things together. Something fundamental about it is that it should be scary. But because the film is constantly undermining its horrific elements with short one-liners and quick quips, you begin to wonder if someone was applying glue to keep the audience awake. Something fundamental about it is deep, rich characters who tackle the harsh reality of adulthood in response to childhood trauma. But in this film, we have scotch tape holding together flat characters with one-dimensional motivations. When you take a step back and look at this monstrosity as a whole, yeah, it looks like it. It has Pennywise eating kids, it has Bill riding his bike, it has Richie making jokes. But that's like saying a Fisher-Price Cozy Coupe car from Walmart is the same as your Ford or Toyota because it has four plastic tires and a steering wheel. Just imagine being a grown adult driving a Fisher-Price Cozy Coupe car from Walmart for 2 hours and 49 minutes and that's the experience of watching IT Chapter 2. I don't know, I, I don't know, this movie was just boring. It's poorly edited, with weird ADR voice clips thrown in at the most awkward times, ensemble scenes are a real sense of ADHD, and the entire final act is just a smidgen too dark, so it's kind of an eye strain to keep up with all the crazy things going on. It's not funny when it tries to be, and seeing how hard it's trying to be funny makes it even more embarrassing. It's not scary because certain scenes, especially ones that are trying to be scary, don't seem to make any sense, nor do they have any genuine impact on the plot. It's unsatisfying in how little it makes sense, but also because the performances aren't convincing, which is a shame after the previous film had amazing performances all around. And this film is pointless because it repeats a lot of the same things we saw in the last movie, just worse. Remember in IT 2017 when all the kids were scared individually for about 30 minutes? Well, in IT Chapter 2, the same thing happens, except it's about an hour in length, so it's more boring. So that's it. I, ha I have nothing more to say, and yet plenty more to say, but my brain just can't keep up. I've read a thousand pages in about a week and invested five plus hours into watching these movies, a couple more writing, recording, and editing these episodes... I think I'm done with it for a while.
And with that, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you've seen IT Chapter 2, what did you think of it? Do you think I'm totally wrong and this movie was actually pretty good, or do you agree that it's a real mess of a film? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let me know in the comments below, or shoot me an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, jump on over to Cinematic Doctrine's Facebook page and be sure to follow for updates on episodes, movie news, and my usual shenanigans. You can also support the show by leaving a review for Cinematic Doctrine on your respective podcast app. And if that's not enough, head on over to Cinematic Doctrine's Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join other patrons and vote on a movie I review once a month, as well as take joy in feeding my coffee addiction. Any amount is appreciated with multiple tiers to choose from. All of it will go toward making Cinematic Doctrine the best podcast it can be. Also, if you're on Letterboxd, I have a comprehensive list of every movie I've reviewed on Cinematic Doctrine with direct links to those episodes, so be sure to check that out. All of this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.